A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Brisbane, you are so, so amazing. The show on the 11th of February is nearly sold out. So dad and I have been talking and uh, we've been able to add an extra night so Monday the 10th, we will be doing another show in Brisbane. And thanks to some pretty nifty timing, we've decided to launch Season 3 of Loose Units. Hot stuff coming through in your city. This will be the first time audiences get to hear John talking about his time in the Fire Brigade. So that's February 10th at the Pado Tavern. We'll let you know the second tickets go on sale. Enjoy the episode. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop. My dad was a cop in the 1980s in Sydney, which has widely been described as an absolute storm. Now, you all know this. Presumably, you've read the book Loose Units, and you've listened to Loose Units, the podcast, and season two of Loose Units, the podcast, Electric Blue. But guess what? Dad was also in the work cover authority, which meant he was involved investigating some of the most horrific industrial accidents and cover-ups imaginable. So for this very special mini-series, we are doing work cover authority cases with dad in loose units not safe for work hello and welcome to another episode of loose units not safe for work i'm paul verhoven and sitting across from me is my ex-cop dad john verhoven now dad last week listeners of loose units got acquainted with your sudden career change um you're jumping across to the industrial accidents uh, area of your of your career yeah uh, and we talked about some pretty intense stuff and mm. we talked about why you left the force mm. but i can see sitting across from me You've got a notebook full of cases from the Work Cover Incredible. Authority. Chockers. So where do you want to start this week? Well, I would like to start with a, a little bit of a story. I, I kind of felt that last week mm-hmm. um, the listeners might be feeling a bit, you know, I don't quite know what they're expecting in terms of, <laughs> in terms of you know, the, the thrills. Yeah. So I thought, I, I was wondering whether it was punchy enough, but we needed to start with a bit of an intro and how I sort of got into it. But I wanted to sort of now touch on, and, and again, this is a story you've never heard. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those weird stories where I feel I can talk about it now. Sure. It's a long time's gone. Mm. And this is going to demonstrate to everyone out there the power that we had. Okay? Mm. Okay. You know the product Coca-Cola. I am familiar with it, yes. Yes, as are most people. Mm. Coca-Cola has a secret formula. Oh, please tell me you're going to do it on the show right now. It's called 7X. Wait, hang on. Is this? Are we going to get in trouble for this? No. Okay. It's called 7X. Right. Because I'm not telling you what's actually in the formula. Well, it's 7Xs, obviously. But here's the most... I think this is so fascinating. So, all the listeners right now, yep. I think you're going to hear something... Probably quite exclusive and exciting. Oh, okay. And this is going to demonstrate, I, I repeat, that mm. uh, for those of you that thought, oh, yeah, safety inspectors, whoopee fucking do. But now this is a classic. What happened was an employee 
mm-hmm. Coca-Cola Amatel mm-hmm. in Sydney, yep. was mixing up, and I'll come to all the sort of the fun stuff. Actually, there's nothing fun about this story, but some of the more weird stuff. But look, he lost his arm. He didn't just lose his arm. He had it ripped off Ooh. in a machine. And we, myself and, and, and a colleague, we went to the... I'll say it, I guess it's fairly secret, the location. Yeah. And they wouldn't let us in. Hang on. Surely the location is labelled as a factory. Like, surely- yeah, but where... Because I'm going to talk a little bit about the process of making Coca-Cola and Ooh, other things. Can I just say, we weren't allowed to drink soft drinks as a kid. No, you weren't. Is this a contributor in that? Yeah, yeah. Because I got to see. Oh, my God. This I, is... I, like, I mean... This, oh. The bad thing about what I'm saying is that I guess we're going to blow any sponsorship with Coca-Cola. I don't think they were going to sponsor us no. anyway. But, but um, okay. So, they were... And we're talking some really burly security people were going, you know what? You're not fucking coming in this place. And we went, well, actually, we are coming in. We're investigating a serious accident. When, now, you, when you get the call for one of these accidents... It comes through. This came through as a, like a ministerial file. Oh. This is like the big league. The guy's had his entire right arm ripped off. But here's the thing. Uh, I guess I've got to be slightly careful how I word this, but let's just say that uh, we went to interview the victim and I never, ever got to interview this guy. Ever. He was... He'd been made to vanish. He's... what? Wait, what do you mean? He had been relocated. Right. The, so, clearly... So, we needed to interview this guy because why did we have to interview him? He's lost an arm, but yeah. worse than that... He's working on a machine that facilitated the removal of his arm. What does that tell you? That the machine is dangerous. And they move him. I want to know, because it's my area, Mm. how have you fixed the machine? Prove to me, I want to see the fucking machine. Mm. I've got all the file, and we do have big power, like scary power, and if we have to... We'll use it. And we had to go through this argy-bargy. And what I learned was that, um, and this is a bit of a plug, I guess, for Coca-Cola, they look after their employees big time. Right. And they looked after this guy. Now, I don't know how they looked after him, but I guess it's fair to say that from a monetary point of view, they looked after him big time. Yeah. As they should. What was his actual uh, job position? His job was to mix... The secret 7X. <gasps> now, here's the great thing. When we finally got into the inner sanctum of yeah. Coca-Cola, where they also make Fanta, because yeah. I got to see all this stuff, it comes in. There, there were these nondescript brown boxes, fairly small, mm. and inside those boxes was the 7X. And the 7X is made up. What happens is they mix all these different products together in this special, it's called a screw not a screw press. It's sort of a weird mixing thing for, for powder. So you pour everything in and it sort of has got this huge, like a corkscrew on its side and mm. it mixes everything. It's like a tombola. Yeah. And then what happens is they then add liquid right. to this substance and you get this incredibly sort of gelatinous syrup. Yes. And, and they it- go into those, uh, those stainless steel um, like kegs mm. and they're shipped out. And they're put into bars, and when you, they attach them to the machine. Mm. But I got chatting to one of the guys that was working there, and it was this weird room. It just had boxes that were unmarked, and this mechanism where they'd add different things in. But here's the thing that he told me: 
He said, now I don't know whether he was bullshitting, but it sounded really fair to him to me, yeah. that no one in the world really knows... Get ready for this. This is so fucked up and weird. Yeah. And I've never told you this. He said that no one actually knows what 7X is, the secret formula. There are chemists in three countries from memory that each work on a part of the formula <laughs> and they create these three different powders and then the three powders come together for the whole world in Sydney. Really? That's where they make the actual... The combining of these amazing oh, mystical things. That's like the Captain and, Planet moment. No, yeah. but what happens is they then box the finished product and ship it out to the called, world. And they ship it out to the world. Right. Now, that particular factory yeah. is very close to where we used to live on the northern beaches. Really? Well, it used to be. I'm not sure whether it's still there. You don't want to tell me where it is, where it was? It was in Rodborough Road, French's Forest. You literally just named the street it was on. Isn't that incredible? All of you. Okay, so hang but on. But how amazing. It's pretty amazing. No, it is. It's quite extraordinary. To think now, I in my um, experiences and in, as an, an investigator, yeah, uh, everything this guy said because we'd put the fear of Jesus up these guys. Mm. We 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 made it quite clear that uh, we were going. We we actually kind of bullshitted to them a little bit and basically said they'd all be arrested, which we didn't have the power to do. Did you often throw your weight around a bit? Like Very that? rarely, but this was a case where they were actually denying us access. Well, you said to the, a, a, the scene of a horrific accident. You said that the guys outside, that the security, the burly security, wouldn't let you they in. Wouldn't let us in. How many other like? How did you eventually get past these people? By basically threatening them, right? With uh, things that you know may or may not have happened. But isn't that, I think the seven X story is just so that's that's quite a, an interesting thing well, t- that the 7X dried product is then sent out. So, it, uh, actually, the magic happens in Sydney. I mean, it used that, to. That's crazy, but you actually haven't told me what happened to this guy. Oh, no, he lost his arm and we uh, had to make um, recommendations to the uh, the machine, to, to the manufacturer. That's yeah. one of the big things we used to do, which I, I guess I haven't really touched on. Mm. But the, the primary thing was uh, with... with accidents involving machinery it was our job with our engineering background mm. aside from the investigative skills was to go in and make uh, recommendations and that was really really challenging we needed to come up with um, ways to make machines safer so that involved us collaborating with engineers and, and manufacturers and sometimes manufacturers were were overseas yeah um, everyone that has read the book you talk about me working in that uh company Cellpack that made envelopes mm. and these machines some of the machines were 30 meters long and they had a lot of process workers uh, mainly mainly women working on them and these machines could pump up to you know 600 envelopes a minute I told you the story when I was accepted into the New South Wales police force I wound the machine up to full speed and just left no and there were envelopes flying up in the air <laughs> you never told me that yeah I had such contempt but here's the weird thing. So I've actually walked out of this um, this factory, yeah. wound the machine up so that it couldn't cope. It was like like warp factor ten. Yeah, and I looked behind and I could see the machine literally shitting itself. And then I went downstairs and I left a rather facetious and somewhat well rude note on the managing director's front seat of his convertible Mercedes. That was my goodbye to, to those people. Right. But ready for this? Years later, on one of those machines. There was an amputation. Guess who came in to investigate? Me. 
I had to go back to the factory. Oh my god! Where I'd been and and been a f- complete asshole. So wait, this is the factory called Cellpack, and that's the factory where you were hiding in the toilet, and the note came in. Uh, the, that's the, right. So the fact. Oh my god! You can't write stuff like this. I know it's incredible. So the factory where you basically began your journey as a policeman yes. is the factory you had to go back to as a safety inspector. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I walked into that place, and they knew. They knew me, obviously, but also... I mean, that was weird, but they also understood the extreme power Mm. and the the repercussions. Now, this particular machine... And they were kind of being very... uh, I thought they were being pretty pretty fucked, actually, on the record. In what respect? They were were sort of looking at me like, well, who the fuck are you? You know, so what? What are you going to say? And I said, well, the fact is that the guy's lost his hand. Yeah. How did it happen? Oh, he lost his hand. Yeah. Okay. And I said, that's not acceptable. And they went, oh, no, the machine's guarded. And I said, really? Well, he's lost his hand. So there's a problem. And there was a lot of toing and froing. And, and I sort of went in there as a sort of a, I mean, I was probably, I would have been 20 yeah. when I left there. Yes. And then I've come back 30. Yeah. As a really experienced investigator, and you've and had years in the police force, and I've had years in the police force, and I and I've really been getting into some really intense, heavy duty um, investigations. Yeah, and I then had to sort of really, basically, say to them, "Well, look, this is what's going to happen," and I had to end up getting in touch with the um, manufacturer in Germany, mm. and through a series of uh, you know complex. Uh, correspondences. We uh, we we organised a modification on this particular machine, which they put into place for all their machinery that went all over the world. Oh wow! So that was a really big thing, and you know that that was challenging. But I had to sort of say to myself, "Look," and I also understood that industry, mm. uh, and it was it was a bit of a buzz. Did you find it odd going back Very to a odd. place where you, because your status and age and life had changed so much? Yeah. I know a lot of listeners as, as well will have experienced this when you go back to your old high school or you go back to your old place of work and you've moved on and they're still the same I people. Know, it's weird. You know, I, I could have just said, look, I'm not going. I could have said to my colleagues, look, I'm just not going to do it. Oh. And they would have understood that. But I thought, fuck it. Yeah. And I didn't go in there with malice. <laughs> yeah. I had a job to do, and I and I did a bloody good job. Well, speaking of jobs, one of the things that you've often indicated to me whilst talking about or hinting about this this area of your career was that some of the stuff you dealt with was pretty complex and gruesome. And I can see you've got pages full of notes there, but what's something that you think will really shock listeners? What's a case where it and it shocked you? All right. Well, I've got so many stories. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So, Paul, um, I had a lot to do with the unions. And, um, you know, before anyone jumps down my throat about, you know, the union scene, back in the 1980s, the uh, the unions were, um, you know, they were very strong, some of the unions. They were really, they were, they were fairly tough. Mm. And um, I was involved in a major investigation and I was, I'm sort of, for the listeners, I was in the, the Work Cover Authority for a few years and when we come to the last story... You'll, there'll be a wonderful segue from the work cover into my next career, mm. and it'll be quite an epiphany for all of you to hear how that actually happened. But so, look, I'll be sort of, you know, moving around a little bit in terms of the timeline. One of the biggest investigations I was ever involved in, uh, taking into consideration also, I was the youngest safety inspector ever employed in New South Wales. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so uh, that was that was pretty exciting. Mm. And, um, you know, I bought to that job, um, obviously my police background was, um, you know, was, was important because there are a lot of very, very old safety inspectors that were almost sort of Dickensian in their views. It was, it was so scary. It was, and the thing is, I, I developed sort of a, a little bit of contempt um, for, my, for the department because it was so poorly run. Uh, it just seemed to be endless meetings and they'd bring down inspectors and managers from all over New South Wales and mm. in my opinion, these were just junkets. And you'd meet up and they'd just, you know, they were flying people down and and, and, they, and half my life seemed to be going to these inane meetings and I just thought, I mean, I was in my, you know, late 20s and I just saw this, I began to see things fairly cynically. Right. Uh, and I... I, I I'd never really understood the power of the union. I mean, I understand why we have unions historically. Mm. You know, unions are there to look after the, you know, the the people that perhaps can't necessarily, you know, formulate and and sort of enunciate, you know, complex negotiations as to why they should be earning more money and it's a give and take thing and mm. you know, but it's a shame and it sort of historically becomes a sort of us and them and you know you've got unions when they go for a you know a wage rise they put in what's called an ambit claim which is a claim so far and above and then hopefully everyone will meet in in the middle mm. but um when i was in the police force uh you know i used to have access to uh, a lot of people's criminal records mm. and there was one group within australia um, a particular group of people that worked for a union funnily enough down here in melbourne Ooh. called the painters and dockers right and they're kind of the genesis of um, the BLF, the Builders Labors Federation, which I don't, I'm sure they've sort of morphed into the CFMEU. Mm. Uh, but if you go back historically, it's really fascinating. 
Now, the painters and dockers, quite a few really, really heavy crims in Australia. Uh, and I'll never forget, I'd be looking at their cards, you know, their, their rap sheets, and it would say, occupation, painter and docker. Uh, and you knew that they were fucking heavy. Right. And they were standover guys. Okay, so here's my little painter and docker scary story. Mm. And funnily enough, you know, I kind of even feel that just enough time's gone by for me. And we're talking, shit, we're talking over 30 years, aren't we? Well, I mean, the thing is, I've, I genuinely believe that unions serve like a vital purpose. Because mm. like workers' rights are something that really like, I mean, eat the rich. Like companies are not going to look out for people. Like you need to have an organization. But like any other organization, much like the police, you can find, you know, kind of like nastier elements mm. ruining it. Yeah. yeah. So this is a sort of a, a story that... Um, uh, I can guarantee no one will have ever heard this story. Okay. Uh, there's an island in Sydney yeah. called Goat Island. Um, very interesting island. And uh, there are some incredible stories about, allegedly, there's this uh, samurai sword that was thrown into the harbour by a uh, prisoner in the Second World War, Japanese prisoner. Yeah. Oh, there's some great stories but hang on Goat Island. Where's the sword? Well, no one's found it. But it was thrown... Into Sydney Harbour. Right. That's, 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 that's the, the story, um, which has nothing to do with my story. Okay. <laughs> Suffice to say that for, for people that want to find out about Goat Island and the history of it, it's really quite fascinating. Okay. So, there was a uh, captain of a ship, mm-hmm. and he had pulled his uh, boat into Goat Island. Yep. And he'd been drinking. So, as he's getting off his boat, a tugboat steams past at a certain speed. And the tugboat created a bow wave. That's that first wave. Mm -hmm. And it was so big due to the speed of of the tug that it started to rock the captain's boat. And as the captain was... He was pissed... As he's trying to sort of climb this dodgy ladder, his boat was rocking and it rocked so intensely that it came up and crushed him, squashed him between his boat and the wharf. On Goat Island. On Goat Island. Okay. He was about to step onto Goat Island. Mm. The fact that he'd been drinking perhaps meant that he hadn't been following the protocols to um a light okay. from the boat. Mm. So, there were quite a few witnesses to that particular horrific incident, what obviously. Time, what time of day was this, by the this way? This would have been maybe one in the arbor. Oh, okay, okay. You know, daylight. Yeah. Uh, but it was pretty pretty heavy. So, I had to get a boat out to go to Ireland mm. the next day. I had to get statements. Maybe I went out the day after that, maybe two days later. By the time I got all the information. Because mm-hmm. I sort of, you've got to look into the case and get a sense of where you're going. And I knew that I was going to a very militant, because anything to do with the wharves was, is highly, highly. What's, um, what's on Goat Island, though? Like, why are you docking on Goat Island? Oh, well, it, it had a dry dock right. for repairing boats and, oh, okay. you know, okay. uh, some factory set up. I mean, when you say Goat Island, I'm just picturing a small island covered in goats. Well, it may well have had goats, but not. In the last couple of hundred years. Yeah, okay. So, he's he's docking at 1pm-ish for repairs? Is that it? Um, no, just to go to go onto the island for some reason. Right, okay. I don't know what that was for. Okay. I don't remember. Yeah. But um, I, what I do know is that I had to go onto the island to interview all the witnesses. Okay. 
Now, when I got onto that island, dressed nicely, safety inspector here to get some information. Yes. I went to my first person and tried to get some information, like a statement, and they wouldn't tell me anything. And they, were, they were clearly scared. And I thought, wow, that's a bit weird. Maybe they're just nervous. Yeah. And then I went to the second person and the third person and the fourth person and the fifth person, and they were all displaying to me the same fear about talking to me. And I thought, you know, what, what on earth, is, what's going on? Obviously, there's something being covered up. Yeah. And then one of the lovely people that I was interviewing pulled me aside and said to me that the union, the Wharfies Union, mm-hmm. had flown up from Melbourne to Painters and Dockers. And the Painters and Dockers had gone around the island. One of them had a pistol down his pants with an open shirt so everyone could see the gun. Yeah. And he simply went up to every single person that I was going to interview and basically just stood there and said, you're not going to say anything. How's that for intimidation? So, Like we're talking, I was wasting my time on the island. The painters and dockers had been brought up to intimidate and threaten all the witnesses. Mm. They would have then flown back to Melbourne. The only good thing that came out of that entire story is that I put a report in and I actually am the person that was at least... I contributed to the speed of tugboats being lowered in Sydney Harbour to reduce the height of their bow wave. So that's a fairly complex investigation and Mm. some good did come out of it. My point being that, you know, the unions had incredible um, and scary power. Pull, yeah. Or tug, um, if you will. Yeah, love it. So... Um, Yeah. Question? I was going to say, what... I mean, first of all, what came of the actual investigation? Like, you, you know that the guy has died. Um, he's been squished. Well, like, where do you go if all the witnesses have, have refused to talk to you? Like, yeah, I can't get any. I can't proceed. So you couldn't, you couldn't, like, no one was... No, no one, was, one was prepared to talk, and I couldn't compel them to, to talk. Mm. You know, I obviously did a fairly involved report, but um, that made me slightly wary of the, you know, some of the union's uh, tactics. Right. And then when I was promoted to uh, district manager, my area was this, the inner city. Mm. So I had all the printing presses. Oh, God. Uh, and the printing industry at least used to be, um, well, militant is an understatement. And, uh, you know, you, when you read a newspaper like the Telegraph or the Herald or the Age, um, you know that those pa- papers are printed, yes. of course, in yeah. big printing presses. Well, when I was uh, working in the city, I had the Sydney Morning Herald, I had the Sun, Telegraph, Mirror. Now, these editions, they had a morning and an afternoon edition. Do they still have morning and afternoons or is it just one? I actually, you know what, forgive my ignorance, listeners, I don't know. I read my news online, so. Okay. Well, they used to have two editions. Now, the the guys that were working in these factories, these printing presses, the first time I ever was taken in to the Daily Telegraph, Mirror, Sun, to see... A printing press. Mm. They were three stories high, and they were unguarded. Think no. about that. When you, you say- can't guard, you can't. And the the guys that were working, they were working in the most incredibly dangerous environment. I mean, super dangerous. These printing presses, they move at high speed. Now they've got these huge rolls that weigh one and a half ton each, and Funnily enough, fun fact here, most of the newspaper, uh, the print rolls, yeah. when I was 
when I was working with WorkCover, they it was paper that was manufactured in Finland, huh. which is why they had destroyed and perhaps still have a lot of their lakes and rivers up there because right. it's so grubby. The, the paper manufacturing industry, at least back then, was highly polluting. Right. And we'd be getting all this and these rolls, and they used to they used to stack them, but they were and they'd chock them. But occasionally they'd um they'd, they'd come loose and they'd just roll over people, and squash you. Oh, a ton and a half of newspaper. Yeah, like well, a roll. Oh my like god! Like scary weight, one and a half times the weight of, a, of a, an average car. Yeah, and they and what they gain gain momentum, and the the guys that were working the forklifts, um, all forklifts in Australia have to have a roll cage. Because they do tip over of regularly, course. yes, and yes. the roll cage would protect you. They had an exemption at the newspapers. Why? Because they had very, very low ceilings, and they were, they had no cages. So these guys were operating these forklifts. Um, you know, picking up these again, they'd use those rods like yes. we discussed before for in jousting. Episode, for yeah. jousting, they'd use those and they'd stick them in the end and pick them up, and then they'd take them into the actual printing press. And they had what was called a spider, which you'd have three. Imagine three rolls yeah. each about maybe five or six feet in diameter uh-huh. and they'd slow the printing press down you, they couldn't stop the press so they'd slow this incredible three-story high huge monolithic press and they'd feed in the new roll and there would be a guy working right in amongst <gasps> that the, the sheer i mean to see it was it was like it was like going back 150 years, like to, to coal mining, and yeah. you'd be looking at these guys. And one guy would go right into the the inner sanctum, and he would slow the machine down, and then he'd he'd have to apply like glue, and he'd cut the actual paper off the end roll, and then reconnect the new roll, and kind of like sticking two pieces of toilet paper together, and then. They'd slowly, once the, the glued paper had gone through, for the listeners, I'm sort of using my finger to indicate like sort of snakes and ladders going up through this whole network. Mm. And then once they felt as though it had bound and got got sort of purchased, they speed they'd it start up. to speed the machine up again. Okay. A morning and an afternoon edition. Each edition generally took about an hour and 15 minutes to print. Right. And then they have six hours in between the editions uh-huh. what do you think they do they all went to the pub and got pissed then they'd come back in the afternoon mm-hmm. they're all maggoted and that's and you could look at the stats and it's not rocket science yeah you'd see this incredible spike in horrendous accidents but you could never ever talk to the union the printing union back then they were called the chapel I mean, that's ominous. Yeah. It has a religious connotation. It's got a cult vibe to it. And you could never... And I'd be sort of there going, you know, what's the big? What's the elephant in the room? Oh, it's alcohol. The fact is you couldn't really guard those machines. Um, and there used to be occasionally you'd buy these papers, you'd see them on the street. And I don't know whether anyone's going to remember this that listens to this podcast, but occasionally you would see on the Daily Mirror and the Sun, occasionally you'd see this red just plastered across the paper. And the word was that that was actually blood from someone getting just jammed and, in the press. And they reckon that, you know, I worked with very, very senior um, investigators and they, they said that there were legends about people that had become a part of the edition. Well, that's, that's incredible. Strange, yeah, it's a strange way of getting into the news. Well, look, thank you 
so much for the stories, Dad. And thank you for listening to another episode of Loose Units, Not Safe for Work. Next week, we will have a Christmas episode. Wee Christmas. Ah, Christmas. It's seriously, it's going to be an absolutely packed Christmas special. And uh, after that, we will be back with more NSFW. In the meantime, you know, it is almost Christmas. So if you're hoping to get a copy of Loose Units for somebody, um, the book depository is probably the best place to grab it. So there's heaps in stock and they can be dispatched in three business days. Uh, and plus they do free delivery worldwide. Or you can get the ebook or you can get the audiobook. Either way, grab Loose Units for a loved one. And if your local bookstore doesn't have it, pester them to order it in. We'll see you next week for more Loose Units. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.